Hey, Delta. Hey, Kelsey. So, you ready to hear about today's rivalry? This is totally not to sound flippant, but it's just 100% true. I always follow lesbians. I always feel like whatever you'd, I'll just follow you off a cliff because you always know what's up. You know, we're oftentimes customer service managers. I feel like yes. we, people look to us in times of need. I'm yep. always being asked at the store, excuse me, where do you carry this? And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm not the manager. I know I look I like it, but. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, historically, lesbians have yeah. saved gay men. I mean, that's just a historical fact. And so, you know, I'm just going to go with that. Okay, Because I know it's true. <laughs> well, follow my lead. Let's go. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries with me, Delta Work. And with me, Kelsey Padgett. Each week, I tell Delta the true story behind an infamous or an underrated rivalry with all the dramatic and sometimes petty twists and turns. And then I'll declare the winner, but not every story has a victor. Sometimes it's just about who loses more. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. So today's rivalry begins about 100 years ago, and it goes up to the present day. It's multi-generational, and it all begins in the Midwest of America. Delta, have you ever heard of Dear Abby? Absolutely. One of my favorite things on the planet is Dear Abby and Ann Landers. I love, 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 love them. Are they really sisters? Yes, and they are okay. our rivals today. I'm excited. My favorite. <laughs> Great, great. Well, I'm glad you're, you know, familiar with them. If you had to tell somebody who had just landed on the planet, never heard of either of them, who who are these ladies? They are advice columnists. They are the purveyors of sophistication, of elegance. They are the tellers of truths. Mm -hmm. They are basically people who tell people how to get out of uncomfortable situations, how to address their boundaries. And how to live deliciously. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Live deliciously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people, you know, would write in to them and say, oh, my gosh, my husband, he won't, I don't know, wash the car. It's a big problem for me. What can I do? Something as simple as that to like, I'm having an affair with a married man. And he says he's going to leave his wife, but he hasn't yet. What should I do? That kind of questioning. And then they would give answers. And they have gotten into <laughs> the culture in a way that I, like, had not even recognized. And they are pervasive. At their peak, they each had 90 to 95 million readers of their daily column. Wow. And Ann Landers actually popularized the phrase, wake up and smell the coffee. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, which, like, I can't imagine a time before that phrase. She also came up with a phrase that is recently popular. She said, hanging on to resentment is letting someone you despise live rent-free in your head. And nowadays, people love to say, oh, this yeah. is living rent-free in my head, you know. 
So Anne Landers and Dear Abby is still relevant today. But let's talk more about the two ladies. We know they've had a lot of impact on our world. But what you probably don't know, you knew, Delta, is that they are sisters. But mm-hmm. they are not only sisters. They are twins. Oh, okay. Like fraternal, I'm assuming. Or are they identical? They're identical twins. <laughs> they Why have... do I feel like I remember them looking different than what? Just the way they styled themselves, I guess? Mm, yes. Uh, yes. I will get to that in a second here. Okay. Um, they have the same DNA. They're born with the same faces. They, you know, are very similar. And that was a shock to me. I had no idea. Another thing about them is Abby and Anne are not their names. Those are both, you know, nom de plumes, names they write under. One is Pauline Esther Friedman, and the other is Esther Pauline Friedman. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Which I feel like is just not very creative on their parents' part to make the other ones Uh, the first name and the middle name. like And very confusing, too. They Their whole childhood went by nicknames and actually their adulthood in their personal life. The nicknames are Epi and Popo. Epi and Popo. Around here, we call the the police the Popo. Um, but I, I live, yeah, in, in a different area. Uh, Popo. Why Popo? I don't know. Because Pauline, Popo, and Epi. It's better for, than Poo Poo, I suppose. Right? Epi makes me think of an Epi pen. Right. You know? That's what I keep thinking. <laughs> but it is kind of cute, you know, Epi and Popo. Anyway, I'm going to call them by Anne and Abby just okay. because... It'll be too confusing. Popo became Abby. Epi became Anne. They're born in 1918. They are raised by immigrant Russian Jewish family in Sioux City, Iowa. And as kids, they get along super well. They, you know, do the twin thing of dressing alike. They even, like, sang songs in harmony together. And their mom said that they loved each other so much because they were just two halves of one egg. Okay. Which is true biologically, but also weird to think about, you know, especially as a child thinking about your identity. Anyway, they they go to the same college that is local to Sioux City, Iowa, and together they start to work for the college newspaper, and they write a joint gossip column called The Campus Rat. And that's that's just literally because they're like ratting on people, or is there like a school mascot? I think it's because they're ratting on people because it's a gossip column. What a horrible, like, admission. I know, like, immediately. right? <laughs> you think they want to hide that a little bit, but right. no, they're like, no, we're going to rat your shit out to everyone. <laughs> right. Wow. Anyway, after college, at 20 years old, both Anne and Abby get engaged to be married, and they are planning a double wedding, um, which I think is so weird. But before they get to the wedding... They're both engaged. So they're at a hat shop trying on bridal veils. And Anne meets this very handsome salesman. And they're chatting it up. And at some point, the salesman goes to Abby and says, I know your sister's getting married, but she's so beautiful. I want to ask her out on a date. And Abby's like, go for it. Which, what? (laughs) Anyway, he goes for it. He asks Anne out on a date. And two weeks later, she calls off her engagement to the guy she was engaged to. To marry or to start dating the gay guy from the hat shop. (laughs) This is really... People, yeah, people have been in the closet for a long time. It was a different time. (laughs) 
working in a hat shop, a veil shop. Okay. A veil shop. A hat shop. I'm not yeah. going to cast any aspersions. I'm just saying, in <laughs> a, my experience, mm-hmm. a millinery. I think right. is the uh, the term. Anyway, but the wedding is still on. She swaps out the guy that she was engaged to for the salesman. Oh, this is like when you go like get a rental car and they're like, we're going to upgrade you, but we're not going to change how much it's going to cost. We're just going to give you something better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's all good. Yeah. Just yeah, like perfect. a little extra benefit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The wedding happens two days before their 21st birthday. Joint wedding. Huge affair. Big deal in Sioux City, Iowa. They said there were 200 attendees to the ceremony and 500 more guests that came to the party. Wow. So 700 in all. And then it was such like a big deal in Sioux City, Iowa that like there were like people like milling around outside being like, what's happening in there? I want to see. <laughs> I would have been part of the 500 because I don't want to go to the ceremony specifically. The, yeah. the 200 is. Yeah. yeah. Let's get to the party. Yes, exactly. Things after that go really swell for them. They're both living happy lives and they both start having kids. Anne has one daughter named Margot, and Abby has a son and a daughter. We're not going to talk about the son ever again, but her daughter's name is Jean. Margot and Jean. Margot and Jean, the cousins. When Anne and Abby are about 24 years old, both of their husbands are drafted into World War II. So this is about 1944-ish. And coincidentally, they end up serving in the same unit. This is so wild, this family. I know, right? Like, it's very coincidental, too, because, like, it's not like they were asked to be in the same unit or anything like that. Anyway, so they became really close during the war. When they come back, Abby's husband, who happens to have like a rich family and his family owns a few companies, he hires Anne's husband to work at his company because they're friends now. And, you know, he's like, you got to come work for me. You got to come work for me, see? (laughs) Exactly. That's the time frame. So Anne's salesman hubby climbs the ranks at the new job, and soon he becomes a VP working directly for Abby's husband. So they're getting along just swell, but the girls start to have some tension. You know, the further they're getting away from being kids, the less fun the, like, matching clothes and the matching face and the matching, you know, lives. Sure. Really, Abby likes being a twin. She's like, being the same is what makes us unique. But Anne doesn't like it as much. She's like, I want my own stuff. So there's a story that like really epitomizes this. And and I don't know how factual it is, but it was featured in a made-for-TV movie about the twins. It was made in 1999, and it was called Take My Advice, The Anne and Abby Story. And it stars— I have to watch this. Yeah. Who, who, it stars who? <laughs> it stars Wendy Malick, who you uh-huh. may know from Just Shoot Me. So <laughs> if you do see it, it's very low budget is the right way to say it. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You know, they're doing all the that effect that you get in the parent trap, right? Where you've got the same uh-huh. person playing two different characters. They don't do the side-by-side frame that often. They're way more often doing a body double with the wig just turned away. This next thing that happens is depicted in the movie, but I'm not totally sure it happened in real life, but it might have. I'm going to tell you about it anyway. And that is that they both decide they want to get a nose job. Anne says, you know, we could get slightly different ones because, you know, I want to look like Betty Grable and you want to look like Lana Turner. And Abby is like, no, we have to get the same nose job. Otherwise, we wouldn't be identical. So if you want if you want Betty Grable, I'll get a Betty Grable too. That's fine. That's fine. 
Let's get the same nose. Wow. And so they sign up to do the surgery together. Anne shows up the day of the surgery, is getting prepped and ready to go. And Abby is not there. And she's like, we're about to do this thing. Where are you? Abby calls and lets Anne know that her husband said no. Her uh, Abby's husband was like, no, thank you. Please do not change your nose. Mm. And so Anne is like, you know what? No. I want this nose job, and I don't care if I look different than Abby. I'm going to do it. It's time Mm -hmm. to break the mold, is what Wendy Malick says right before they (laughs) move to the next scene. And before we move to the next scene, we're going to need a quick break. When we come back, how Anne and Abby both stumble into being advice columnists. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So, yeah. And in other ways is also getting tired of being a twin in this small town. She gets sick of what she considers to be Abby flaunting her wealth because she's constantly giving her presents. And Abby's husband is Anne's husband's boss. And that feels a little bit weird to Anne. Like, ugh, like... I am the poorer twin. I am the lesser twin. I'm not as successful as you. And it really, it starts to bother her. Abby lives in this, like, huge house, and Anne lives in this small two-bedroom. They both started to call Anne's house the peanut place, um, because I guess it was wow. small like a peanut. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that thing. That's that thing when people go, how's that little job of yours? Mm-hmm. I have a friend that that will say whenever I go somewhere, when we're in drag, hmm. I love how you just wear whatever. I, oh. I love I lo- you always look comfortable. And I'm like, really? No. And that's the, and that's just how they've been. And we've been friends for years. But there's always <laughs> just been that, again, a bit of a rivalry in that right. sense. Right, right. Because we're about the same age. And, and know. you know, she yeah. considers herself a little more. So, yeah, I, I can sort that's weird. Mm-hmm, the peanut mm-hmm. pal. Oh, my gosh. The peanut place. So, Anne's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to get out of this peanut place. I'm going to go have my own life. She wants to be more than one half of an egg. You know, her mom had called More her than one. one half of an egg, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she, she decides, we're going to go to Chicago. We're out of here. Now we're in the mid-1950s, and this is like where a good chunk of the rivalry takes place. Um, a really popular song was Rock Around the Clock. You know that song? Okay, yeah. So, like, you know, it feels very like a soda fountain era, very wholesome stuff. If you turn on the TV, you might see I Love Lucy. It was like a super popular show at the time. 
The Supreme Court case Brown versus Board had just happened in 1954. Sure. And so schools were attempting to desegregate. So that's sort of the time we're in. At 1955, Abby and Anne are both 37 years old. So they're, they're grownups at this point. Anne's like, I'm out of here. And according to the cheesy TV movie, this is how she gets the idea to become an advice columnist, which is that her teenage daughter, Margot, uh, is sitting down reading the newspaper at breakfast. And she's like, "Ugh, this advice column is so L7. And her mom is like, what's L7? And she's like, you know, L7 square. She puts her fingers out and makes a square ah. symbol. So uh, Anne starts reading the column as well. And she said when she was reading it, she would cover up the answers and think about what she would answer and then mm-hmm. compare the two. And she was like, well, this lady is square. I could do better than this. So she happened to know somebody high up at the paper. And she called and she said, do they need any help, you know, answering all that mail? And as it turns out, the advice columnist at the paper had actually recently died. And the paper was now holding like a competition amongst all the female writers at the newspaper to see who could take over the column. And because Anne knew the editor, they let her join in the competition, (laughs) even though she has not been a journalist before. And just because she knows a guy, which is frustrating. She's given a stack of letters and told to answer them. The first letter is something about a walnut tree that drops walnuts into the neighbor's yard. Who owns the walnuts? Is it the neighbor or is it the person who owns the tree? And she's like, well, this is sort of a legal question. You know what? I'm going to call up a judge. And she happens to know a Supreme Court justice. (laughs) Just happens. To, this just whole thing is happens. so happenstance. Like, I want a job and I want to tell people how to live their lives. Let me click my heels down to the newspaper and let them know you've got to give me a job and fast. <laughs> Very much this. So she calls up uh, a Supreme Court justice who says, oh, as long as they don't sell the nuts, it's who, uh, wherever they land. That's the owner. And then the next question is about a Catholic wanting to marry a Protestant. So she calls up another old friend, the president of Notre Dame, and asks, you know, for his very Catholic advice (laughs) on this. So she brings back all of the letters to the editor, and he's like, you can't do this. You can't use these people's names. They'll sue us. And she's like, well, no, I actually know these people. They actually answered me. And he really thought that she had just made it up. (laughs) But she legit knows these people. But she legit knows these people and was giving their advice And Uh so she gets the job. The column was already called Ann Landers. And this is how Ann became Ann, is that when she got the job, she inherited the title of Ann Landers. Oh, oh, it was already the person's name. Yeah. So the advice columnist who died was already writing under Ann Landers. Ah. But it wasn't her name either. It's just a complete fiction. It's no one's name. But Ann did not pick it herself. It's like multiple Jan Brady's, like multiple Jan Brady's. Yes. yes. Just Jan Brady. Yes. Okay. Okay. So she gets the job and she's she's loving it, but it's a lot of work and there are more letters coming in than she could handle. And so if you ask Abby, that is, Anne calls her and says, oh my gosh, I need help. Please come and help me answer some of these letters. If you hear it from Anne's side of the story, it is that Abby was all bored and calls up and says, oh, 
I, I hear you got this new job. This is so cool. Can I help you out in any way? Will you teach me how to answer these letters? So it's a little bit of a, like a split narrative of like depending uh-huh. on which side you believe. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, this side, that side, and then the truth, obviously, right. somewhere exactly. in the middle. But my question is, how many letters were being published in this newspaper mm-hmm. per day that somebody couldn't – I mean, I would imagine it would only be – like it would have to be less than three – No, I think it was like about five or six per day, and it was on like six days a week. Oh, that's a lot. I guess you would need maybe some help with that. That would be a lot. And you got to go through all the stacks of letters. And a lot of the letters are not, you know, going to be something you can publish. I mean, if it was, you know, you and me and we were answering these letters, I don't think it would take us that long because we would be like, no, you're wrong. Fuck off. (laughs) It was just like throw it out there and be like, I don't care. But what if you got to call up a Supreme Court justice? That might take you a little longer. I don't know any. I, or they know of me. <laughs> they know of me. I've been in trouble. Um, You're no, not best I, friends with a Alito? Uh, <laughs> a John Roberts? Uh, okay, so what about Abby? When did Abby become Abby? Three months after Anne became Anne, Abby and her husband, they moved to San Francisco. And there, she just calls up the editor of the San Francisco Chronicle and says, you know what? I can give better advice than the lady you've got writing. This is how people got these jobs. Yeah, man. It really seems like it Whoa. was. Isn't that wild? What if we, can we just do that now? Can we just like call people <laughs> and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm a way better model than that person. And people like hold their stogie and they're like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> Who's Joe Rogan's boss? I'll call him up and say, listen, he's sexist. He's bad news. Let's. Uh... Right. Oh, absolutely. You could fucking wipe the place with that. <laughs> you could wipe the place with that. Kidding me? You'd kill it. So anyway, Abby calls up this editor and the editor's like, oh, well, let's see. Here's some letters. Bring them back in a week. But Abby came back in an hour and a half. And Uh she had all these quippy, witty replies to these letters. And they were like, oh, wow. You know, you don't have any work experience, but these are fabulous. Sure. You've got the job. Wow. Which is hilarious. Just kick somebody else out of their job. Exactly. But Abby, she she actually has to come up with a new name for her column. Yeah. She likes the name Abigail because in the Bible or in the Torah, because they're actually Jewish, there's a part where David, like, doesn't kill a bunch of people because this woman says, hey, don't. And he says, oh, Abigail, blessed be thy advice and blessed be thou. And she picks a last name, uh, Van Buren. Because it sounds presidential and aristocratic. It does. it does. So her advice column is Abigail Van Buren. That's the name. And it is Dear Abby. So she now has the same job as her sister, just in a different part of the country. I want to know what time Abby was born and what time Anne was born. Because <laughs> I think Abby is behaving like the big sister. Uh-huh. Because it's, it sounds like... She always regards herself as sort of in charge of the twins. I will make the most money. I, I, I can do better than what you're doing. I mean, she do, it does come off kind of shitty. Yeah, right. I, I feel like it's coming off a little shitty. But, um, I mean, they both were student journalists, so there is mm-hmm. that. Yeah. 
Um, she did move to uh, across the country, so she is doing it somewhere else. I feel like mm-hmm. it's not a conflict of interest if you are in another market and you're mm-hmm. doing something similar. But so- something about her just seems really sort of smarmy and snake-like. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Anne would agree with you about Abby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because... Abby calls her up and says, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a vice columnist, too. Can you believe it? And Abby's side of the story is that Anne didn't seem very happy. She seemed pretty disturbed. Abby said, you know, I had been so happy for her success. I assumed she'd be happy for me. But there was a long silence. And then finally she said, I guess it's all right if you don't get syndicated. And which means that they uh-huh. would be published in a bunch of papers across the country. Right, And right. not just in the San Francisco Chronicle. But three weeks later, Abby's column does become syndicated. Wow. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Anne and Abby say really rude things about each other in the press. Stay tuned. I feel like the rivalry might have, like, died out if they didn't become so incredibly popular so fast. And... In a lot of places, if one paper picked up one, the rival paper would pick up the other. And so it became this sort of like arms race (laughs) of places. Here's some quotes from this 1958 article about how popular they got. Abby appears in 136 newspapers and is read avidly by 10 million people. So this is just two years after her column started. Anne is running a close second. Uh, Her column is featured in 111 papers. Anne was the first one to do it. But Abby seems to sort of be beating her in those first couple of years. And the reason this is is because their columns are so different than what had come before them. Before them, these types of columns were called lovelorn columns or Uh lonely hearts columns. And they were usually like teen girls writing, I don't know how to get this boy to notice me or I want to hold hands. How do I do that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But. Anne and Abby were taking on, like, a variety of topics and, like, way less naive topics. You know, they would still, like, get questions from 15-year-olds, but they would talk about sex and they would talk about all kinds of things that had not been talked about previously. One of their columns was, like, the first time, like, STDs had been discussed in, like, a newspaper. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's heavy. Um, That's heavy. And was a bit prude about premarital sex, but she was like an early advocate of sexual communication with your partner and experimentation for married couples. She would say, tell your husband what you like and what you don't like, which was revolutionary (laughs) for the late 50s, early 60s. Both of them supported uh, women's rights, uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, and were proudly pro-choice. And on top of that, they were hilarious. They would give these like vaudevillian answers. I mean... You know, there's sort of the kind of, like, corny dad joke type things. But, you know, they – that had not been happening before. So I'll read you a few examples. Here's one that says, to a woman who was having an affair with her boss, and the boss broke it off with her and moved her to another office. And she was like, why don't I try to get back with him? And said, creeps like this grow on trees. And if you keep picking that fruit, you're going to be up to your hairdo in rotten bananas. Wow. This one, it says, Dear Abby, what's the difference between a wife and a mistress? She says, Dear Bess, night and day. That's the whole answer. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So, you know, you were saying, like, we could bust these out really fast. Well, it seems like Abby did. She would write just two-word answers to some of these. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I like this because it's going to be becoming the 60s. Like, yes. And yes. And, and we're going to be seeing more cheekiness. And when you started laying the backdrop of the 50s, as a hairdresser, I always think of what I learned about the history of hair and, and what that reflected. And mm. in the 50s, nobody was teasing their hair. You were roller setting, brushing it out a little bit. It was a, a little bit obviously fluffier than mm-hmm. the way it looked in the 40s, which was very stern. The 60s is when really, you know, as soon as 1960 hit, the teasing started getting bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger and bigger. And people were having personalities with their hair and colors with their hair that that they didn't have before, pastels. And these opinions were forming as their hair was forming, the same way hair changed significantly for women in the 80s. I love that. I love that so much. You're so right, because things are loosening up at this time. Right. And they were on the front wave of this thing. Because of this wit and their new approach to advice columns, they were, like, soaring in popularity. Like, people who had never read advice columns were reading them now. And, you know, this could have, like, been a very, like, synergistic moment for them. They could have been the advice sisters, the advice twins. But instead of that, the rivalry sort of doubled down. And like I said, one paper would, you know, start running Anne, and so the rival paper in the town would start running Abby. And this even went to, like, their hometown and allegedly— Abby went to the hometown newspaper and said, I will give you a reduced rate if you run my column and you do not run my sister's column. That really set the rivalry off. And (laughs) Life magazine went in 1958 and did a double profile. And this is where things get really rude. Abby is quoted saying about Anne, I understand why she's disturbed. She wanted to be the first violin in school orchestra, but I was. She swore she'd marry a millionaire, but I did. Wow, that is so gross. That is so, so... I actually know people like that, Mm -hmm. and they conduct themselves that way. I don't know if it's that they see an example of, like... The way to be respected in this business is for people to fear you. Mm. And I got to lay down the law, see? Mm-hmm. I've got to go, you know, and that's kind of what I'm getting from her is like this, almost like this caricature of like the shoulders walking in like this, mm. one mm. hip at a time. I'm here to tell you what's going to be and da 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 da. <laughs> and I'm going to answer for my sister. She doesn't know anything. She's a dingbat, see? Like, <laughs> It's, it's so weird, but I know people even to this day that because right. they've seen example, they maybe not Dear Abby or Ann Landers, but they see television shows where they, yeah. the people who rise to the top are the ones that are like, right. I light a fire under people's asses. They're afraid of me. Yep. 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 Gross. Gross. Very Why do gross. Look that way? Yeah. Well, so I think that the way that this article works is that the journalist interviewed Abby first because he then has replies from Anne. So Anne's reply to that is she's wrong when she says that I wanted to marry a millionaire. I didn't have to. She is the one who needed the assurance of money, which is not as rude as what Abby said. It's more just calling her like a, a gold digger a little bit. And then Abby said, I'm not trying to be the champion. I'm just playing poker. And, you know, if you don't have to win, you get the cards. But, you know, and she's always just had to win. But I love her. (laughs) That's what Abby said. What's happening? (laughs) I wonder what's happening personally at this time. Are they even communicating at all? 
So I think that after the the bit with the trying to get the syndication in the hometown newspaper, that they were not speaking at this time. Wow. And so this person came and did the interview, like, right at the moment where they were really most angry at each other. And this blows up huge in the press. And it's like, you know, this big sensation of, like, twins torn asunder by rivalry of advice columns. <laughs> so at this time, they totally stopped talking. And not speaking to each other lasts about one decade, about 10 years. Abby later said of this time, My career flourished, but I walked around with a hole in my heart because she missed Anne, which I don't doubt that she missed her. Yeah, for sure. So all of that went on in the 50s. But in 1964, they make up and and they do it in a public way. It's their... 25th anniversaries of their weddings, right? Because they got married on the same day in the double wedding ceremony where everybody showed up, right? And they're both 46-year-olds, so they're grown. They're grown-ups at this point. (laughs) But anyway, they have somebody write an article about it and how they go to Bermuda together. And then the relationship, it was back to where it was before. And they came to an agreement to not talk about work with each other anymore and maybe more importantly, not to talk about each other to journalists. That was the main thing. Okay. So, you know, we're kind of like skipping forward through time here because their columns lasted for a really long time. And the peace between them lasted for about 15 years after that. During this time, they solidified their place in pop culture. Anne was publicly against the Vietnam War. Abby was a strong proponent for gay rights. And there's this column in 1973 where somebody writes in and says, My respectable neighborhood, there's this odd couple that moved in. They have all sorts of strange-looking company, men who look like women, women who look like men, different races. And yesterday I saw two nuns go into their house. They must be running some sort of business or club. Um, I love we called it. the police. <laughs> Invite me. Right? Isn't that so great? Abby, these weirdos are wrecking our property values. How can we improve the quality of this once respectable neighborhood up in arms? And Abby responded, Dear Up, you could move. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, which is excellent. I love that. So I love that. She's in support of our people. But she did get a ton of of hate mail for that. And, you know, they both did. Anytime they took took like a strong stance, they would get, you know, a lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout the, the later 60s and the 70s, they're at peace. They're very successful. But here comes the 80s with its cocaine and hate. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that hate is associated with the 80s. But in 1979, the twins are 61 years old at this point. Okay. And in a TV appearance... Anne says, I have never read a single Dear Abby column. Okay. Mm hmm. Which is just, you know, not. Not nice. This starts some, again, the rivalries coming back. I I just feel like it's so old now. You know, they've been writing their columns for decades. And they're wildly successful. So it's not like it was a a ploy to, like, get more attention or something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were, maybe Anne was sick of being asked about Abby. I could see that, being annoyed by that. A couple of years after that comment, Abby has this interview with Ladies Home Journal. And... She says a lot of bad things in this article. She is caught again, basically, on a hot mic like she was uh, back with that Life article. She took credit for a lot of those early Ann Landers columns, you know, saying that she ghost wrote a lot of them and that Ann was the overshadowed and envious sister. She called her an also-ran with lousy luck. 
why the shade? Like, why the like actual well, I don't actual know. shade? I feel like, especially if I had a sibling, like, I just don't know that I would want to do that. I, I don't know that I would want the attention of talking shit. Like, I mean, I would think professionally, you have so many people asking you to help them with their questions. Yeah. You would definitely not want those people looking back into you. Right, right. You might be and really going, private. oh, you're messy. Yeah, because you're telling everybody, oh, handle it, handle it this way, handle it that way, and then they look at you and they're like, oh, you're messy yourself. Mm-hmm. This is Gross. quite a mess, right? Anne never says anything publicly about this. You know, they seem to make up behind the scenes after this because I think at this point they're, you know, they're older. They don't have to fight about these things. We'll never know how Abby made this better, but it seems like she did because, you know, by the time of the 90s and 2000s come along and you get different articles about their relationship, it seems like they're fine again. The articles in the 2000s talk about how they would fax each other all the time, which I think is very cute. Because It is cute. <laughs> By 2000, they're in their 80s, right? Right. So, like, what are they faxing? They're sending little notes and things. (laughs) And I love that idea of these two elderly ladies being like, oh, I'm going to send send my sister some gossip in the fax machine. (laughs) Can you imagine? By the time it's 2001, they've both been doing this for 44 years. And the rivalry does come back one more time, (laughs) which seems absolutely wild but this time it gets multi-generational here we go here we go so 2001 they're both 86 years old a dear abby column is published revealing the face of jean phillips abby's daughter and letting the public know that jean has actually been helping write the column for a long while now Jean wrote her first Dear Abby column when she was 14 years old, which is amazing. And that when Abby retires, that Jean will be taking over as the new Dear Abby. Jean's a pretty private person. She hasn't really done many interviews about this. There's this one that says most of her work is done late at night in a bathtub with a specially built marble shelf on which she piles her letters as she reads. Oh, my Um, gosh. Come on. Which sounds amazing to me. <laughs> it just gives me like it gives me like Kathleen Turner as Joan Wilder, like <laughs> like the romance novelist, like you yes, know, yes, celestial just... seasonings tea, like it's just very that. <laughs> I wrote there top goals. I want to do my work from the top. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's Jean. That's that's Abby's daughter. Anne's daughter, on the other hand, did not want to be an advice columnist. She said for a while she wouldn't even admit reading the advice column. In college, she's like, oh, I don't read that stuff. But she really did. She loved her mom's column. And she started to kind of follow in her mom's footsteps. She became a journalist. And around the same time as Jean came out as, you know, this other half of Dear Abby, Margot started writing her own online advice column called Dear Prudence. Okay. So now both of the daughters are in the advice business. Jean literally taking over the mantle of Dear Abby. Margot becoming this other character, Dear Prudence. Okay, so these daughters, they like kind of grew up together, but in their adulthood, they were not friends. One of them in an interview said, we're not enemies, but we're not close. (laughs) Oh, wow. I feel like if you have to say you're not enemies, that's that's something there. Right. In 2002, Anne dies, uh, which is is very sad, but I think she's like 87 years old. And as a tribute, Jean, now writing as Dear Abby, writes a farewell letter 
to Anne and has that letter or gives that letter for free to all of the newspapers that carry Anne Landers. And instead of publishing an Anne Landers column the day that she died, they published this Dear Abby goodbye letter to Anne Landers. So that seems nice, but Margot did not think this was nice. Margot saw this as a crass attempt to get all of those newspapers to start publishing Dear Abby instead. Oh, yeah, there's a ploy. Right. And that's what Margot thinks, right? Jean's like, oh, no, I just wanted to pay tribute. And, you know, the press picks this up and is like, the feud continues. It's been passed down. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and Jean is like, a lot of people have been saying feud. All I can say is from my heart to yours, there is no feud on my part. I wish my cousin all the best, which Margo did not like. So that tension never really gets resolved. Those two are a little bit still at odds. Later that year, Jean took over entirely for the Dear Abby column, um, and her mother retired because she started to suffer from Alzheimer's. And about 10 years later, Abby died at the age of 94. Today, Dear Abby is still going. Jean is still writing from hopefully her bathtub. Marble tables. Exactly, exactly. But you know, she's getting older as well. Uh, Now she's about 80 years old. And she's really private. It looks like she doesn't have any kids. So I don't know what's going to happen to the dear Abby when she retires. Is it going to be passed on to another journalist? Is it going to be, you know, I don't know, a niece or a nephew if she has one? Or or who will take up the mantle? I feel like I. what I want to do is I want to put on... My springlater pumps. I want to <laughs> click on down there and say, hey, give me some of those letters. I bet you I can answer those in three days. And I want to show up in an hour and a half and say, what about these smarmy answers? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what we should do. Let's call up. I think so. I think like, this so. is how this job was originally got. And here right, we are. Right. That's sort of where our story ends. Who do you think wins this rivalry? Of course, Anne, all the way. Anne, all the way. Abby is winning professionally. Abby has the longevity. Abby's set out to accomplish what she set out to accomplish. Well, oh, by the way, you know, shout out to Abby for for being a supporter of the LGBTQIA plus community, which is amazing, but is marred by the fact that she's a total bitch. (laughs) And super mean, but she did have the backs. I feel like Anne lived quietly somehow in her sister's, even though popular, still in a weird way, according to her sister, who should matter the most to her, mm-hmm. was still like inferior mm-hmm. to her sister. Her sister saw her as kind of like, you're, you're doing it, but you're not really doing it like mm-hmm. I'm doing it. And that what a shitty way to, to feel that way, to feel that way by somebody who is literally your other half. Right, Anne is copying you, you know? Yes. Abby came along and copied Anne. (laughs) 100%. So, rude. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries, hosted by me, Delta Work. And me, Kelsey Padgett. I also produce the show. Gabriella Santana is our associate producer. Caitlin Pierce and Megan Dietry are our editors. Tiffany Walker is our managing producer and editor. Our production coordinators are Sasonia Davenport and Tamika Balance Kolosny. Our theme music is by Allison Layton Brown. John Scott is our engineer. Our executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Caitlin Pierce, and Megan Dietry. TJ Raphael was our development producer.
you ever use Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.